Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. I am excited to be with you. If we've never met, my name's Blake. I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock in I am really excited to be here with you this morning as we continue our series on generosity. And uh, last night we had a great night, an incredible night, and we were kind of working through everything. And I really do want to encourage you, continue with us in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as, as we continue in this, Friday, here's what we're doing. We're going to challenge kind of everybody in here to do something we've never done before as a church, but I think is vitally important. So that night we're going to have our night of worship, but that entire day... Um, we're going to have 24 hours of prayer. And what we're going to ask you to do is this week you'll get an email or check our social media. If you don't get our emails, be sure to fill out that connection card so we can get in contact with you. But we're going to send out a sign-up. And we're going to ask that you come as long as you can, whether that's 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever like, like that. We want someone praying in this room for 24 hours. And so we want to just bathe this house in prayer. We believe that it's going to change us in the process. And so I would really encourage you, and you say, man, Pastor Blake, like that's a lot. I I understand. I know it's a lot, but sometimes we got to give God a lot. And so what we're giving up here is our time. And so I'd ask that you'd come and pray during that time. One of our staff will be here the whole time. Um, Not one of the staff will be here the whole 24 hours. We're taking shifts as well. But we'll have music going, um, and we'll tell you guys where to come into the church. So if you come in at 2 in the morning, there will be someone here praying at 2 in the morning. And so I really would encourage you to do that. Sign up for a time slot, and we can do that as well. So I want to encourage you with that. I think God's going to do something really incredible with that. So uh, as we begin this morning, uh, I was thinking about a story that happened to me a few years ago. Um, But my brother and I were about four years apart, and we were chasing each other, right? And I'm the oldest, he's the youngest, and so it gets super competitive, and he wants to catch me and all these things. Um, And so we were running through the house, and I wanted to really, like, run fast and turn a corner. Uh, When I did that, uh, an issue arose in my life. My pinky toe caught the door jam. And when it did that, it spun me. I landed on the ground, you know, and, uh, you know, like this little piggy went to the hospital, right? And so uh, I, I thought I was going to break my toe off. But what happened was is I broke my toe. And when, you're, when you break your pinky toe, there's not a lot that they can do about this. Like literally, they're just like tape it to the one next to it and good luck. We hope it heals okay, but we have no idea, right? You might lose that little piggy. And so Uh, We taped it up, but what I realized immediately was how actually important your pinky toe is. It's not something we think about. It barely even gets a toenail, but like it's actually really important. It doesn't get a lot of real estate, doesn't get a lot of attention. But when you look at your pinky toe, it actually, with the, the knuckle of your big toe, your pinky toe and your heel, create this thing called the tripod of stability. And for you and I, that's how we actually keep our balance. It's so important. And you don't realize how important the small things are until the small thing is broken. And so what happens is is you can't actually put your weight on the front of your foot. You kind of like walk around with a limp and you walk around on your heel. Now, here's the thing. You can keep walking. You can keep functioning with a broken toe. You just won't function that well. 
Like all of the things that you're meant to do, all of the things that are so important in life, you're, you're hindered in so many things. And so your pinky toe is really talented in one thing. Like one thing in life it's really good at. It's really gifted towards one thing. And that is to help you move. That is to help you keep you balanced. And you don't realize how important it is until it's missing or gone or broken. And I wondered, like church, like as we think about the body of Christ, how many times is the church walking around with a limp because members of the church are walking around broken? That they're missing, that they're hurt, that there's something going on in the body of Christ. It's still functioning, but it's not functioning to its full capacity because the church is walking around with a limp because not everybody's in. I mean, maybe that's even going on in your own personal life. Maybe spiritually, you're walking around with a limp because there's parts of your spiritual life that are missing or broken or are hurting, and you're wondering why, kind of like, why am I not progressing as fast as I could be? Why am I not functioning as well as I could? And the reality is, is because something is broken. And what you need to realize is that the pinky toe is gifted in one thing, but that one thing that it's gifted in is monumentally important. And so today, we're actually going to talk about gifting. We're going to talk about our talents and our gifts and how that is so important for us to be generous with. Because if we're not generous with those things, if we're not involved, then we're not actually just hindering ourselves. We're actually hindering so much more. And so I wonder just this morning as we begin to pray about this moment, we begin to pray about this time, is you would begin to ask God what he would have to say to you today. And so I'm going to pray as we get ready to jump in, and we're going to go over a few different things. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray today that your word and your truth is revealed. I pray that you are magnified and glorified above all else this morning. God, be with us. Speak to us. Walk through this life with us. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. So as we begin to talk about generosity with our gifting and our talent, I want to kind of set some ground rules for what generosity is. You're going to hear this every time in this message because I think all of us might have a little bit of our own definition or standard of generosity. So here's how I define generosity. Generous is anything that is above normal. And you say, well, what's normal? I don't know. What's normal for you? But anything that is above what is normal for you, that's generosity. That goes above and beyond one step of the way. But here's some ground rules that you and I have to understand in this life. It's a different message that I'll have to share at a different time. But in order to be generous, you have to be a good steward of your life. You can't get to generosity that going above normal if everything else isn't stewarded. right? You can't give more time if you aren't a good steward of your time. You'll, you'll realize and quickly see that everything else is going to come in and dominate you. And if you don't plan your time, other people will. Other things will dominate your time or your gifting or your money, right? Like if we're not good stewards with our money and stay on a budget and work through some of those things, how are you going to give above and beyond? How are you going to do that? Because everything that you have has already been spent, Right? Because we're, we got to steward our life. We have to find that because when we have a stewardship, we create a baseline. And when we have a baseline, we can go above it. That's what above and beyond is. And generosity is not about what we gain when we give, but how we give because of all that we've received. That's what generosity is all about. You're not going to hear like, hey, if you're more generous here, God's going to do more. 
okay? God can do more and many times does do more. But here's the reality. We don't give so we can gain. We give because we've received. And so as we talk about generosity this morning, I want you to think about one thing. Maybe you feel like you are this person who walks in here and you go, I'm not that talented. I don't have a lot of gift things. I'm just kind of like a person that shows up and doesn't do anything. But the reality is, is I think many of us would say that about the pinky toe. But the reality is, is we need it. If we don't have that, we're all going to be hindered in this room. And so here's the title of today's message. And I want you to hear this. We need you. We need you. God has brought you here and brought you into the world at the time that he brought you and talented you and gifted you in so many ways because he has a purpose for your life. And we're not complete and we're not whole and we're not moving forward without you. And you say, well, God can do anything without us, 100%. But in throughout this book, God has chosen to use us. Right? Like, we, we don't believe in little God theology here. We believe in big God theology. And God, in His bigness, chose to use us in our giftings and our talents, which come from Him, to participate in the kingdom. Because, like, Christianity isn't a spectator sport, it's 100% get in the game and let's go. And what also happens is, is we find ourselves, like, some of us in this room are selling ourselves short. Like, you're like, I'm not that gifted, I'm not that talented, I'm not that important. If I didn't show up, nobody would notice. I bet you we would. How about this? Maybe some of the reason we're not noticing is because we've never seen what's there. Right? We get, and then we blame everybody else. Man, no one sees me. No one does this. No one, have you ever, like, put yourself out there? Allow yourself to be seen. Allow yourself to be shown. And so, I want you to hear this today, church. We need you. We need you. We need however God has equipped and called you to be part of everything that's happening here. And so as we get ready to get started, I want to kind of define a few things so we're not confused throughout the morning, okay? There's a difference between talent and gifting. These are really important things for us to understand. All right, so talents, like what's the difference? Both are God-given, okay? But the way that they're brought into our life come through a different means. So your talent comes through your family, it's inherited, right? Like some of you come from families with super athletes or some of you come through families that are great at math or whatever. Like there's some, these, these family lines that you and I can inherit certain things. This is still God-given. You're born in the family that you're born in. You're born with the talents that God gives you, but these things can be developed in your life. Spiritual gifts or gifting are, they're received after salvation, That's when those things come in. Like when you receive salvation, God gives you special gifts that are above and beyond. Here's another difference. Um, Talents can be practiced, right? Practice makes perfect, right? You can go and you can do the 10,000 hour rule and you can practice something and you can become functionally an expert in anything that requires talent. But in spiritual gifts, They only mature as we mature in Christ, right? They're not these things. You can exercise the gifts. You can use the gifts, but it's not like practice makes perfect. Why? Because talents are naturally empowered. Spiritual gifts are spiritually empowered. 
right? So you have some natural things in you that, that God has put in you, and they can assist you in your calling. But when we talk about gifting, gifting is there to equip you for the call. And so let me ask you this, church. What are you called to? See, we think like ministry in the church and all of this is like for professionals. Let me just tell you guys, there's no professionals in ministry. We're all called to the same life in the same ministry. And that means that you are just as equally as important as anybody else in this room or any room there ever was. This is not a professional thing, right? We believe in, it's called the priesthood of the saints, that we are to be this royal priesthood going out to the world, telling them about God. That's what this means. So we're all on equal playing ground. It doesn't mean we all have the same seat on the bus, but we're all equal. I stand in no place in the kingdom of heaven higher than any person here. Just my seat on the bus is a little bit different, but that doesn't mean you don't have a seat. And here's one thing that I want to kind of put to rest, because here's what happens to so many of us. We think talent equals calling. Oh, whatever you're talented in is what you're called to do. That's not true. Because let me just tell you, there's a lot of people who are very talented in certain things that aren't called to do certain things. Right? I've been part of church for a really long time. I've met a lot of really talented musicians and singers that definitely aren't called to lead worship. Why? Because talent needs character to get to calling. And so many people turn into their talent and go, that's my calling. But you don't have the character developed to deal with it. And what will happen is, is all of a sudden, what should be the aroma of Christ to the world becomes the stench of us. And then we take flattery and we take all of these things in our life and we begin to build our own kingdom. And let me just tell you something about flattery. Flattery is like perfume, okay? You take a small little waft, it's pleasant. If you breathe it in deeply, you get sick. And that's what happens to so many of us with our talents. Our talents help us look at things and, and, and look at our life and go, hey, look how awesome I am. And I just want to tell you something. Like, There's plenty of examples in the Bible of people who are not talented but called. And here's why that's so important. There's a lot of teaching going around in our churches and in the world right now that you got to get to your 10. you got to get to your 10. If there's anything in this life that you're called to do, you got to find your 10. But let me just tell you something. When you get in your 10, I find that a lot of people are absent of faith at their 10. Right? A lot of times what we see in the Bible, what we see in life, is God calls people to their two. So that they, in faith, have to receive from God his power, his strength, his might. And at the end of the day, go, it wasn't me, it was him alone. So some of us are all looking towards our talent to go, that's where I'm called. When God might be saying, you might need to look at your two. Because I know that if I put you in a ten, your character isn't there and your talent will crush you. It happens all the time, guys. How many church leaders do we see falling? How many, not even just church leaders, leaders out in the world? How many people do we see their kind of talent gets beyond where they are in life and their character can't sustain the platform that they've been given and they fall? And so here's what I want to tell you. We love your talent, but we want you to understand your calling. And then when we, we know our calling, when we're generous with our gifting and our talents, man, that's a potent 
potent combination. And so where are you in your life? Maybe you're, you're even like serving in church or maybe you're thinking about it and you go, you know what, that's not my 10. Good, it might be your two and God might have a lesson for you there. Because what I've learned is when God takes you to the two, it's like going to a desert. And when you're in the desert, you'll listen to God. Because the reality is, is I don't know how talented anybody in here is at surviving, but the desert will win. Right? Like, it doesn't matter how good you are, how talented you are at surviving in the wilderness. Eventually, the wilderness wins. And so God takes us to places in our life where he wants to mold and shape us. And you say, like, Pastor Blake, of course, everybody in the Bible was in their 10. No. How about Moses? Moses is this leader who God lifts up, but did you know that Moses stuttered? So God chose a guy who couldn't speak fluently to speak for a nation. God called someone who was not talented at speaking and says, hey, you're going to be my representative to Pharaoh. You're going to be the one who speaks for the nation. And let me just tell you something. I know you may not be talented, but you're called. And my strength will show through. How about David? David is a small shepherd boy. I mean, an early teenager. And he's called to kill a giant. That doesn't mean you're talented. Like, there's not enough talent. Like, everyone knows uh, Paige. He plays drums for us. Like, if I was called to fight Paige, it doesn't matter how much talent I have. He's gifted beyond me, right? Like, there's a problem. You need the call. And then what happens is, is then this little shepherd boy becomes a great leader, not because of how talented, but because how good God is. How about Peter? Peter. Peter's a fisherman. All right, and we find out like in the Bible, he struggles with discrimination. He discriminates. Right? There, there's not talent to be this leader of the church, but there's a calling, and God changes his heart and moves him where he needs to be because when he realized, I'm out of my depth, you'll take the life raft. Right? When you realize what you've been called to and the things that happen in your life, your calling, your gifting, yes, your talent can help, but your talent's not going to make it happen. Or what about Mary, the mother of Jesus? I don't know if you guys know this, but Mary was probably 15 or 16 when she had Jesus. How many 15 or 16-year-olds do you know today that are really talented moms? I mean, not that they can't be great moms, not that they can't work on those things, but they're called and God equips those who are called and gets them ready. But like, not all, Jesus wasn't a normal baby. And it's like you're 15 or 16 and you're called to help raise the Savior of the world. What talent helps you with that? It has to be all calling. And so let me just ask you, what thing in your life has God called you to do that you feel totally untalented for? You feel totally like, this is out of my depth. I can't do this thing. I can't make this happen. And the reality is, is that God's just waiting for you to step into the calling. And he does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So some of us need to just stop looking at our life and go, I'm not talented for that. You may be called to that. God may have something for you in your life right now. 
And so as we go into the word today, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, open up there. If not, it may be on your device, open up. Or we have free Bibles for you right in the back of the room that you can grab. It's a free gift for you. But we're going to start right here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Listen to what the word says. So, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So, oh, that's like another message and another time, and it's not what we normally hear. But what Jesus says is like, hey, if you're going to stop sinning, you can expect to start suffering. There's going to be like some hard times that are kind of entwined in some of this, and you've got to be ready for this. Verse 2 so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passion, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the flood of debauchery and they malign you. Anyone ever been there? Like maybe in high school, maybe in some part of your life, there were people participating in things that you knew you should not be participating in, and when you didn't do it, they began to come after you? Let me just tell you something, church. This isn't in the message today necessarily, but holiness will convict people a lot. Sometimes just living the right way is pretty convicting. Sometimes just, just not participating. It's not that you have to be judgmental. It's not that you have to say to people like, no, you don't do that. We don't do that. There's some parts of this where you just live the way God wants you to live, and that's really hard. That can be really hard for people at times, and that's exactly what happens. The world's participating in all these things, and Christians are just saying, hey, I'm just not going to do that. Like, you can do that, I guess. Like, you can work on that, but, like, I'm not going to do that. And the world becomes convicted, and when that happens, they come against them. And so that's exactly what's happening here. But listen to what... The Bible says, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way that God does. Here's what the Bible's saying, Peter's saying. That's why the gospel came into the world. That's why the good news of Jesus entered. Because people are hurting, and people are having a hard time, and people are, are in these moments of life where it is so hard and so overwhelming, and this is what the Bible's saying. Hey, this is why the gospel came into the world. This is why God was generous with his son. And so what happens is, is life begins to get hard, and, and, and things aren't going well. See, what you have to understand about this book of 1 Peter is Peter's writing to a persecuted people. Like, the church in this area is dealing with severe persecution and suffering. Like, the world's coming after them. And it's not just like, hey, you guys are losers, we're going to make fun of you on the internet, and we're going to, like, write comedy shows about you and all of these things. Like, no, we're going to malign you. We're going to come after you. And so Peter is writing to this church of people who are in the midst of great suffering in their life. And he's saying, look, the reality is, is that when hard times enter the world, generosity is necessary. This is the first point. Hard times need generosity. What Peter begins to describe in 1 Peter chapter 4 is, hey, these Christians and these people are going through an incredibly hard time. 
And so what Peter's going to say is like, no, don't fight them, don't hate them, don't hurt them, don't rebuke. Like he says, be generous. Because when we get into hard times, we're going to need generosity. Why is that so important? When things are hard, generosity has a way of binding people together. It has a way of overcoming many obstacles and helping people in their darkest moments. But here's the reality. You and I need to use the right type of generosity for the situation. Right? Because when we hear generosity, all we hear is money. Like, okay, those people are suffering. I'll write a check. Hey, that person needs it. I'll, I'll write the check. I'll do this thing. I will, I will use my money to do that. And let me just tell you, church, that's a very American way of doing it. Because not everywhere in the world has all that we have. Like, it's like what we are experiencing in America is the greatest wealth maybe in the world. And so the mindset of, well, I'll just give money to meet people's needs is kind of foreign to this. Now, can you give? 100%. Is giving important? 100%. But there's going to be certain types of suffering and situations where money can't buy freedom. Right? Like, there's friends of ours. Uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Their daughter, she's like four. Um, she has a congenital heart disease. And she's been in the hospital for the past, like, two months. And her older sister actually died from this disease. And if she doesn't get a new heart, she's not going to make it. Now, like, church, if there was, like, a way for us to buy one, I'd be asking you for money right now. If there is a way for you and I just like to solve this problem by buying it, I'd be, I'd be asking you for money every day. If all, the only issue there was money, we can, we can do that. We can sell some stuff. We can appeal to people. We can, we can do that. But the reality is the kind of suffering and pain that they're going through needs something far more than money. They need us. They need us in all of our, our gifting in this world and how we've been gifted by the Spirit to come and help serve and love them. Money's not going to solve the problem. Money's not going to help the situation because it can't buy what they need. And for so many people in our lives right now, we think we can buy our way out of everything. But the reality is, is there's certain types of suffering, there's certain types of things that you and I are going to face in this life that money won't even touch the surface. It's a reality of you and I have to use the right type of generosity for the situation. There are times where money is the generosity needed, but not all the time. I'd say not even the majority of the time. How many of us have been in a moment where we had such need and distress and no one gave us money, but they gave us their gifting and their talent and their time, and we are loyal to them for the rest of our life? Because they showed up, not with a check, they showed up in our greatest time of need. This is the type of generosity that the world is going to need. When there's a persecuted people who are suffering you can't, like, here's 100 bucks, good luck. They're like the, like, the government is after me. Like, they're coming for me. They're going to put me in jail. They may kill me. Oh, cool, here's 100 bucks, good luck. 
but our talent and our, our gifting can help us. But when you're suffering and you're facing something in this world, and maybe you're in this room and you're facing something right now, you're facing something so far beyond what you can do, you have to find something greater than the suffering and greater than the problem to help you. And we talked about this last week, the greatest thing, the why of all of this, of generosity, is love. Look at what Peter says right here in verses 8 to 10. Above all, keep on loving one another earnestly. That word earnestly means like in, with intensity. Like love each other deeply. So here's this suffering people going through all of these things, and here's what Peter's going to say. In the midst of hard times, generosity is necessary. And the reason that we're generous is because we love so intensely. We love so intensely. Look at what verse 8 says. Above all, keep loving one another with intensity deeply since love covers a multitude of sins. How many of us know when stuff goes bad, you all start blaming each other for everything? Right? Because all of a sudden the war isn't about the war. It's about all the little things. Any married couples or people who are in a relationship gotten in a fight and all of a sudden the fight's not about the one thing. It's about everything else. Right? Like it's about the dishes and all of a sudden you're talking about 20 years ago when that thing happened. You're like, what does that have to do with dishes? I don't know. I'm angry. This is what Peter's saying. Love covers that. Love covers a multitude of sins because here's the reality. When we love each other deeply, when we love each other with intentionality, we will not take those things and hold them against people. We'll stop using the ledger of life and we'll start loving people through things because love and the love of God for the Son of God who covers us in our sin no longer sees our sin but sees his Son. Love has a way of doing this and this is the basis of generosity, of earnestness, of deeply or with intensity. Not a normal type of love but a generous type of love. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Right, like without murmuring, without like being sick of doing good. This is what it means. Like when hurting people are hurting, many of this is what they would do. They would invite them into their home. And it's not like they had six separate bedrooms. It's like you came into the house. You were part of our every day. And what Peter says, when severe persecution and suffering enters the world, generosity is needed because generosity will say, I'll go above normal and get you a room. I'll invite you in because you need more than a room. You need what God's gifted us with. You need love. You need deep love, intense love that, that will seek not just your need, but who you are and try to help heal you in the process. And then it says this, verse 10, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. He says these giftings that you've been given, along with these talents, they are used by God to love and serve one another. A hundred percent, they are used to go and, and help people. And here's what is so important. The reason that love is greater is because hard times have a way of dividing us. And you're like, I don't know about that. Remember the election? You know that this year, at the end of the year, we're going to be entering a new election cycle? Yay. <laughs> Yay, right? Like, it's coming, guys. It's coming, right? And how many of us, like, realized we were at each other's throats during hard times? When we weren't sure where the country was going to go, when we weren't sure what was going to happen, when our future is in the balance and we're receiving something and we're worried, 
Hard times have a way of dividing us. Love has a way of uniting us. And our gifts used in love are kind of a glue for that. So how has God gifted you and called you? And you say, man, this is all strangers. How about in your marriage? How about your gifting and your calling being the glue that helps bind and helps hold things together because it's powered by God? I mean, hey, we're gifted and we're really merciful with the rest of the world. Why not your spouse? Why not your partner? Why not your kids? Why not your parents? Why not your neighbor? Why not your boss? What makes some of these relationships kind of in a special place where our gifting turns off? Here's why I'll tell you that. Because you're trying to use talent to get you through it. I'm really good at loving people. I'm awesome. You're going to get into situations with people who require a little extra grace that you're not going to be able to do it in your flesh. You're going to have to do it in God's power. And so here's what you and I have to do. See, the reality is, is yes, we can give money. Yes, we can do all of these things. But here's what Peter's saying. The one thing that someone might need is not what you have, but who you are. The one thing that your kids need is not what you have, but who you are. The one thing that your partner needs right now is not what you have, but who you are. Right? How many of us get in a fight and go, well, um, I have, like, here's the keys to my car, sweetheart. Like, you got what I, like, here's my stuff. No, I don't want your stuff. I want you. So here's what the Bible is saying. Because all of us can have similar giftings, similar callings, but there's only one you. There's only one you in this world. You are uniquely made. Jeremiah tells us that God knit you in your mother's womb. He is your creator and you are unique. There's, there's, you, there's things in your life, experiences where you grew up, the, the things that you've done that, that make you unique. And let me tell you why this is so important. Because you might be uniquely equipped and called to be the answer to someone's pain in this world. Because we're talking about gifting, not talent. If we're talking about talent, then I, what you're saying is, I'm the answer. No, gifting is God-given, spirit-driven. And so it's God equipping you and calling you to help that person. This happens all the time. In fact, if you're not sure, Second um, Samuel chapter 21 and 22, David is praying and his servant hears him. And when he prays, the servant hears the prayer and God calls the servant to step in and be the answer. For some reason in this crazy world, God has chosen us to be part of the answer to people's pain. So let me ask you, church, who is suffering in the world because we're not walking in our gifting? Who, who's hurting right now that maybe like without us like and how God has called us and equipped us? I don't want you to hear this is about you, but we need you because God's uniquely called you. God has uniquely equipped you. So let me ask this. See, you could be the answer to someone's prayer this morning. Someone this morning could have been praying and God, because how he's equipped you and called you, is going to use you as the answer through his power and strength. Have you ever been in a moment like that where you had a need and all of a sudden just somebody in the world like comes in and says something to you or says like, hey, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I just need you to know that God loves you today. 
I just need you to hear that God sees you today. I just need to just, I need to help you. I need to do something. I need to use my gifting and my talent to do something. And you're like, that's exactly what I needed. Right? So someone today probably prayed this. Someone prayed to receive kindness today. Somebody's going through something so hard in their life. They're like, if I could just have one thing in this world right now, it could just be some kindness. You, because you're kind and generous and called by God, kindness, gentleness is a gift of the Spirit, right? The fruits of the Spirit. You can be that today. What if someone today, like, literally prayed as they were walking in this church this morning? I just hope that someone sees me. By you just simply acknowledging them, by saying hello, by seeing someone you've never seen before and saying, hey, good morning, how are you? You don't know if God used that to answer their prayer. Someone prayed this morning not to sit alone, and you can be there. Someone this morning may have prayed, like, this is, this is my last chance with God. Like, this is it. If something doesn't happen this morning, I'm done. And maybe God's using this morning or the worship or the music or anything like that to reach into your heart and say, yeah, we're not done. We're not done. And so you are unique in this world. You are uniquely called and gifted and talented to be the answer to some type of pain in this world. Who's suffering in the world because we're not willing to step out? We're not willing to be generous with our gifting. We're not willing to be generous with our talent. And the world is suffering because we're not showing up. This is what we're called to be, church. That's exactly what he means in verse 10. Being a good steward of the gifts which have been given to you by loving one another, by loving hard people, by loving those who persecute you and hate you. Jesus says, love them. Because it's greater than a multitude of sins. And I need you to start being generous with what I've given you. And you say, I don't know how to do that. Well, God was so generous with his son. We didn't just get part of Jesus. We got all of Jesus. He gave up everything. He gave up his entire life. And not only did he give up his life, he gave up his time in heaven with the Father. He's God who became man, who dwelt among us. He gave us everything. And what God's calling you and I to do is just go one step above normal. That's it. One tick. And here's what you'll find. As you move up and start to go beyond normal in the smallest ways, that will become the baseline. And then you can take a step up. We can always be more generous with our talent and our gifting. We can always do those things. And here's why this is so important. There's only one you, but the reality is, is if you're not using your gifts generously, there's a problem because our gifts are not for, are about us, but they are for us. Let me say that again. Our gifts are not about us, but they are for us. Here's why this is so important. Spiritual atrophy. Here's what happens. Um, over the holidays, I, I started back at the gym like in November, and we were going consistently you know, four or five days a week, lifting, doing all these things. And then Christmas hit. And Christmas around the church is really busy. So there was like a week and a half, 10 days, maybe two weeks that I didn't go to the gym. 
And I thought, oh yeah, I'm gonna, like my body got stronger. I'm so healed up. I'm gonna be so strong when I get back to the gym. When I'm gonna be like, like this is gonna be easy because I'm so strong now. But then what I realized is quickly, when I got to the gym and I put on the weight that I normally do when we were clanging and banging, right? Like when we got those 245s on the end of the bench, right? And we're, we got the, I call those Cadillacs because they're the biggest weight. So I put two caddies on each side and I'm like, hey, here we go, clang and bang. And I get into the gym for the first time, whew, unrack the weight and I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, 10 days too long. And I'm like, and it is clanging and banging because I'm shaking, right? And I can't get the weight up. Why? Because, because I stopped using my muscles, I got weaker. Because I stopped using gifting and talent, I got weaker. I wonder for how many of us, we're experiencing spiritual atrophy because we're not exercising the faith muscle through our gifting and our talent. I wonder if like some of us are missing out on what God has for us in this life because we're not using our gifts because we're scared, we feel unqualified, we feel uncalled, all of these different things because I, the, one of the best ways that I know for you to experience God is for you to do exactly what God's called you to do. There's this thing in the world called a resonating frequency. It's this everything in the world, in the universe, shakes. I know that this seems weird, but everything shakes at a certain rate, and it's called your resonating frequency. And the way that you and I can know this is, have you ever seen those people who like sing at like a crystal glass, and they hit a certain pitch and a certain note, and all of a sudden, the glass shatters? That's because the person matches the resonating frequency of the glass. And when it does it, it shatters. But here's this cool thing about resonating frequency. You and I don't shatter, but here's the deal. Has anyone in here ever harmonized? While singing, some of you are like, I, I don't sing. Well, I know. Okay, some of you shouldn't sing. Uh, but anyway, so here's the deal. When you harmonize, I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me. I can feel it in my chest. Like it reverberates within me. I think that's a lot like what it's to use your gifting and your talent for the kingdom of God. I think you're resonating. And I don't know if you've ever done this and used your gifting and used your talent to serve God, but all of a sudden your spiritual life takes off. It like, it skyrockets. And so your gifting and your talent isn't about you, but it's definitely for you. Because I believe it's a way for us to experience God in a different way that causes our faith to grow. And James hits this right on the head, James 2.17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Here's what James is saying. If you're not using your gifting and your talenting in the kingdom of God, you're gonna be really struggling in your faith. That's what he's saying. Like there's gonna be a problem. And what James is gonna even say is works are an evidence of faith. They don't get us faith. They don't make things happen, but they're an evidence of what has happened. And so some of us aren't walking out our gifting and our calling and, and our talents with generosity and you're wondering why you're not experiencing God and you wonder why you feel like your faith is dead and on its last line. You're not resonating anymore. So it's not about us, but it's definitely for us. And so as we get ready to wrap up this morning, I want you to see something so important about our generosity of our gifting because the reality is, is people should be able to look at us and go, that's way beyond your talent. 
that's way beyond like you. Something's going on here. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by strength that God supplies in order that everything God, in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As you begin to look at this life, what we have to realize is our talents, our gifting, and our calling are by God and for God. This means that when we're being used in our gifting, it's not really about us. Because everything that we do in our gifting and our talent is a gift from the Father. And so it should reflect off of us and people should look and go, I see God in that. Not that we're God, not at all, but I see God's power. Because let me just tell you, like, some of the things that happen, some of the things that go on in the church, some of the things, the way that people love or, or do all of these things, it makes such an impact in people's lives. I hope that when I'm speaking up here, you're not like, man, bless a gifted speaker. I hope you look and go, man, the Holy Spirit's really working. Let me tell you something. I have ADD, okay, big time. My, the fact that my brain is functioning right now and I'm not thinking about 15 different things is not Blake Harkup. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm serious. If a message speaks to your heart, I can speak to your mind. In human effort, I can speak to your mind. Only God can speak to the heart. And so if your heart is being moved and being stirred, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And praise be to God, for he is gifted and called and equipped, but he's doing something far greater. And so when you come into a church like this, you, I hope you don't go, man, I love Pastor Blake because he's a great speaker. I hope you go, I go to Bedrock because the Holy Spirit shows up. And God does something because he's generous with his talent. He's generous with his gifting. And all I see is Jesus. Church, why can't the whole world be like this? Why can't we be that to the entire world? We need you. Bedrock, the church of Christ, the universal church has been walking with a limp for far too long because somewhere along the way, we thought that Christianity was all about us. When it's always been all about him. And because he loves us so generously, we respond out of love for him. And because we love him, we serve him. And we use exactly how we are gifted and called and talented to go and tell the world about the one who rescued us. You are unique. You're one of a kind. You're important. The Bible says that you're so, so, so important that God knows the number of the hairs on your head right now. That's how, like, so concerned and loving and for you God is. But some of us are missing out on this Christian life, and we've made it all about this and not about this at all. And God says, you've got to start walking in your calling. It's time. I have a new thing for you. I have a new experience for you. I have a deeper relationship for you. And we're not going to get there by you just knowing about me. You've got to experience me. And so you've got to start doing what I've called you to do. And the crazy thing is God shakes worlds when his church is exactly who they're called to be.
And so as we end, you might say, Pastor Blake, like, I don't even know where to start. I don't, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Like, what, what part of this life is actually for me? Like, what do I do? Well, that's one of the really great opportunities and callings that as pastors of the church, we get to have. Because we get to help you discover those things. We get to help equip you for the work that is to come. And so here's a really incredible opportunity for you. There's really just four ways to figure out how you're gifted. And the very first, we're in a great season for this, is to pray. God, how have you gifted me? God, how are you calling me? God, what are you trying to do? God, what do you want me to do? Pray about it. Maybe like when you come here on Friday for your 30 minutes or hour and you're like, I am? Yeah, you are. You're coming here. You just ask him that the whole time. Maybe that's what he's called you to right now. But not only that, ask people who are close to you. Where do you see me being gifted? Not just talented, gifted. Like some of you are the most generous people in the world. Some of you are the most kind people in the world. Some of you are the most welcoming people in the world. Some of you are the most serving people in the world. We'll see it. We'll start to see these things. But not only this, what do you like? All of us live in this weird part of our life that we think God calls us to things that we hate. Like, oh, you hate that? That's what I'm gonna do. How good of a father is that? You hate that? You're not like at all called to that? That's what I'm gonna do for you. It may be uncomfortable. It may stretch you because your talent won't get you there. But here's what I know. If God's made you for it, you will enjoy it. It just might take that step of faith. In fact, someone very close to me in my life is stepping into a very new season and for a very long time avoided this season, avoided it. And because God brought in circumstance that really could not allow anything else, there was some suffering and pain that we experienced, called this person into this season. And you know what the word I got the other day, the season that they were avoiding forever is, I actually love this. I actually love it. Because you're right where God has you in this moment. And then finally, the last way is this. It's really simple. Take an assessment. Like we have spiritual gifts assessments. And here's the reality. Like February 6th, we're going to do our class called Starting Point. We call it that because it's the starting point. It's really simple. But in that, it's a three-week class. Right after service, we feed. So no one's going to have the gift of hunger. We'll feed you, okay? But here's the reality is in that class, we talk about who we are for one week. But then we talk about who you are and where you belong the next two. Come. It's free. We'll give you an assessment. We'll help you figure it out. If you want to do that, write on your connection card right now. I'm in for starting point. I'm in. Put it in the black box. We'll get you set up. We'll get you ready to go. But guys, the days are short. The time is dark. We need you. We need you. Because this mission that we're called to as a church is so much bigger than us. And so here's the invitation. Will you jump in? Will you be a part of it? Fear, you might be scared, you might be worried, you might be anxious. 
but it might also be the best thing you've ever done. However God leads this morning, would you become generous with your gifting and your talent? Would you become a generous people who are able to serve? And what you'll see, it's not about you, but it's definitely for you. You're unique and God loves you. And so let us pray as we get ready to worship. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day and this word and this truth. And God, I ask today that you reveal to each one of us your call, your gifting. God, and may our talents come around those things, but may we not rely on our talents, but may we rely on you. And so yes, God, you may be calling us to things that scare us. You may be calling us to things that are beyond us, but you're the God who equips. You're the God who makes it happen. It's by your power and your strength and your might. And God, we wanna be a people who see miracles, but we gotta be willing to step into them. God, we want to see a people who see you move, but we got to get into situations where we need you to move. So God, whatever you're calling each person in here to this morning, I know you have a call in their life because you made them and you make everything with a purpose. And even if we don't feel like we have it, you've assigned it. And so God, would you reveal that to each one of us this morning? God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. And God, today, thank you for being so generous with your son, that he gave all of it, every piece of him he gave, so that we may be alive. And Lord, if there's anyone in here today that's never trusted in you, that's the starting point, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you live for them and you died for them and you rose again to cover their sin, to save them, to rescue them. I pray that they believe today that they would confess it with their mouth and believe in their heart. And your word promises that they will be saved. So God, we thank you for all that you're doing. Do a mighty work this week in our lives, God. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for jumping into today's message. And we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.